the Lord. Last week, we kicked off this series entitled Building Great Servants. Uh, in particular, last week, we talked about the heart of a servant. And I really believe that was very, very fitting uh, as it relates to understanding what servanthood is from a biblical perspective. Having the right heart and the right spirit is very important as it relates to serving. And I believe, and, and all of us should know through our study of the Word of God, that God is always examining our hearts. God does not see as man sees, but God always sees the heart. So it's very important that we have a heart that is rooted and grounded in God's love, that we truly understand what it really means to have a heart of a servant. Because if we are serving without the heart of a servant, that will be counterproductive to all of us. And we'll talk here in a moment as we dive in how significant being a servant is or this whole idea of serving. And so today uh, I want to talk about servant evangelism. And so if you're keeping notes and you want to put it another way, we could call it evangelizing through serving evangelizing through serving. Now, as it relates to service from a Christian perspective and a biblical perspective, I believe that, that all of our service to people should have some kind of evangelistic desire attached to it. What I simply mean by that is that, that I don't believe that we should live and exist one day without thinking somehow of how we can reach people for Jesus through serving. And one of the things that we have come to understand and realize, and we'll talk about it today, and if you ever doubted this, I think you'll get it today, that, that, that serving is a biblical concept, but, but it is one that Jesus initiated and activated and very much so grew the church out of service and evangelism. So what you're going to see today is serving and evangelism goes hand in hand. It is some that, something that was instituted by Jesus Christ. And so we all should have this desire inside of us, whether we're passing by a neighbor, uh, whether it's people that we're working with on the job, people that we see, that there should be something in us. If, if, if we know they're not right with God, there should be something in our internal makeup that says, gosh, how can I somehow, God, reach them? How can I <clears throat> share of the good news of the gospel. Um, and, and because, see, here's, here's a problem I have, that while, whereas servant evangelism is very biblical, it is incomplete until the message of Christ is spoken or communicated. Uh, let me put it to you this way, because I know that there are some organizations, some Christians, for example, that that are, they love to serve. You know, they feel, we feel good about uh, giving something uh, to somebody that is in need. We feel really good about helping people and giving them food and, and all those wonderful things and whatever else we're able to provide them. And for too many of us, we are absolutely comfortable with leaving it right there. In other words, that we're comfortable providing a service, but not necessarily attaching uh, Christ to it or our faith to it. We're not communicating that in some way. So I believe that in order for servant evangelism to really take root, somehow 
it has to be accommodated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can do that in many different ways, but we have to send that message, whether it's through direct communication, when you're talking with people, you're providing a service to them, you're helping them in some way. You can talk to them about how Jesus has impacted your life, uh, whether it's what we wear. How I many know that people communicate a lot of things about what they wear? Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all see that. Uh, you know, uh, or what we, how we behave, obviously, what we give and how we give it. We have to be creative. We have to make sure that any service that we are providing with people that we want them to understand and know. Watch this. We want them to know that we're doing this in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say that with me? In the name of Jesus. Come on, say it again. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you just keep that to yourself and you didn't somehow communicate that to them, how do we connect the dots? You know, and a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we got well-meaning believers and men and we just would provide a good service and then we'll praise it. Well, well, if God wants them to discover it, you know, you know, him, then he'll, we'll just hope that God or somehow that they will connect the dots and they'll get it. Well, that's why God put you and I on the earth. That's what we are. That's what our job is. Our job is to communicate Christ. How can they hear without a what? Preacher, somebody sharing, somebody telling, somebody communicating the message of the gospel as we are serving. So we've made it sort of a, uh, I didn't make it a rule, this is biblical, that any service that we provide, and I want to do this, I want to say it this way, not just as a church, but any service that you provide in any way, whether it's a new neighbor that just came into your neighborhood, for an example, you know, and, and you know, and hey, you know what, I'm going to go over there. This is a, a new family. I'm going to take them some baked cookies. I'm just going to welcome them into the neighborhood, you know, and, and, and just a little bit of a, a card that's attached to just say, hey, hey, I'm, you know, I'm whoever. And uh, I'm John Doe. And here's a I just want to bring you some cookies. Welcome to the neighborhood. Hey, and by the way, if you're looking for a new church, I got a great place for you. Uh, here's some information. If that's what you're looking for. God bless you. I hope to get to know you a little bit more. In other words, church, this is meant to be something. Everybody say lifestyle. Come on, everybody say like, come on, preach with me, lifestyle. So we want this to be a lifestyle. So, so what we're saying is we're going to authentically and genuinely love people because that's important. You have to be authentic. We talked a whole lot about that. When you lack authenticity in serving and, and in caring for people, it is easily sniffed out, and that is counterproductive to the gospel. How many of you believe, how many of you know that Jesus really cared? He really cared about people. He really loved people. And, and when people know that you care, that you love them, <laughs> they'll be willing to respond to you. And I believe that in many ways that that, that is part of the problem uh, that we have. We want to preach to them a gospel and tell people how they need to change and how they need to repent and how the, they don't repent. They're going to spend eternity in hell away from God. And, and all of those things are true, but we never take the time to build some kind of relational context. And one of the things that serving does, it builds some kind of a relational context that, that, that you really do care about a person. Because now that you're in a position that you care, then, then it opens the door for you to share. It opens the door in a real way because people will listen to you. I don't care. Even if, listen, people may not necessarily like gospel, Christianity, and all that. But let me tell you something. It's hard for somebody to turn away from you 
when you show them that you truly care about them. Come on, church. It's a little bit harder. I didn't say they, they can't, but it's harder for them to walk away from true, authentic love when you demonstrate it in Jesus' name. So serving evangelism then, watch this, it wins the heart before it confronts the mind. Let me say that again. Serving evangelism, it wins the heart before it confronts the mind. What we want to do, we want to confront the mind. And, and we, obviously we need to do that. But if you look at the model, and that's what we're going to look at today, if you look at how Jesus did it, Jesus oftentimes, he was known to be a giver. Am I right about it? How do you think all those crowds of people were running behind him? You think everybody was running behind him because they just wanted to hear about a religious teaching? They were running behind him because all of them had needs. They needed to be healed. They were sick. They had problems. They needed food. And they said, oh, the guy, he can provide all that. Let's get down behind him. And when Jesus met that need, then what Jesus did on the backside of that, he proclaimed the gospel to them. He preached to them. Jesus walked around with a message. A message was always emanating from him. Wherever he went, there was a message, and everybody knew it. And we'll talk a little bit about that here this morning. Why is serving evangelism so effective? Here's why it is so effective, because it directs us away from selfishness. We're very busy. We talked about that. Um, you know, and it's one of the things that I've been talking a whole lot about uh, because, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to retire from my, my, my full-time job. And, and one of the things that... Uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that is always discussed uh, is uh, getting yourself in a position where you're not too bogged down with other things where, where it can kind of free you up uh, to kind of think about the things that are really, really eternally important. Uh, that's really important to me. But certain evangelism can be, uh, is, is effective because it directs us away from selfishness where we're not just just about ourselves, but we, and I told you last week, the only way you're going to get off of yourself is you got to purposely do something to, to free yourself from an over-intoxication with your own life to the extent that you're neglecting your responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a witness for him. It could be done in groups, obviously, serving evangelism can. It gives the Holy Spirit an open door to convict those uh, we are leading to Christ. It allows people who are even shy or, or people who, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? When people are shy and quiet, uh, there's another word that I'm thinking about, but I, I cannot think about it, right? I can't say it right now. But, but, but for, for shy people, they can get involved in this process, providing some kind of a service, uh, an approach for, that families can do it together. You know, I think it's a great idea that families get into a habit of Serving evangelism, that parents, that we can take our kids and get our kids involved and let them know that we're doing it in Jesus' name. They'll feel better about it, and they'll live their life understanding that the world does not evolve around them. God did not gift us, make us, so that we can just be all about ourselves. Happiness, you will only discover for real, is when you live your life in such a way that you're impacting others. Now, it don't even take a religious person to figure that out. People understand that even they don't have to go to church. They understand that if life is just about themselves, they are messed up. They are just they are a mess because they know instinctively that there's that life, that there's more to it. Now, we've been smacked in the face with truth. So we know this. We understand this. 
It can be easily done. Serving evangelism can be easily done by new Christians. It's simple. It's friendly. It's non-pushy. It's non-aggressive. It's giving-centered rather than asking-centered. This will be the foundation of our service. Why? Well, Pastor, why do we want to do that? Because that's the way Jesus did it. When Jesus was serving, watch this, church. Jesus did not charge people when he blessed them. Did he charge them a fee? Did he went, did Jesus, I'm just asking a question. Talk to me. Did he go around and say, okay, I'm going to heal you, but can you give me about 50 bucks? Can you, can you, drop, me a little, can you drop me a little something, something, something on the side? Now, I'm sure people did that. But, the, but, but I want you to understand, the spirit of service is I'm going to be a blessing. All that Jesus wanted to do was to get them saved. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Matter of fact, let's just jump right into that. What was Jesus' life mission? Now, Pastor, why do you want to talk about Jesus' life mission for a moment? This sets the message up perfectly well. Because Jesus' life mission is our mission. It's ours. Jesus says that I go and I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, now, I'm going to leave. But he says, now, Greater works will you do because I'm leaving. I'm going to the Father. As a consequence, Jesus was saying, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come down and empower you to continue the work that Jesus already established. I want you to understand that. So Jesus has already established the work. He's already set the pattern. Watch this, church. Our responsibility then is to get down behind that, right, to get down behind what Jesus already established and and, and walk in it and and, and look at him as our example. This is important that we understand that. Now, Jesus said this. What was Jesus' life mission? He said in Luke 19, 10, he said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Get that into your spirit. In other words, he didn't come. To make a name for himself. Remember the scripture says that Jesus uh, made of himself a no reputation. Jesus wasn't a narcissist. He wasn't about himself in that way. He didn't come trying to destroy his enemies. There's a time when judgment would, was going to come, obviously. But Jesus didn't come with that in mind. He didn't come to just make friends and influence people in that context. It wasn't uh, some kind of a message that is based in humanism. He didn't come to do all that. Jesus came, watch this church, to save. He came to save. Watch. Everything that we do in ministry, every service, every act, every little minute thing, if it's setting up a projector, if it's setting up the sound system, putting a chair on the floor, building with every brick that is building a church, anything in the mission, in the message, everything that we do in the church, church is for the purpose of salvation. Everything. And if, watch this, and if we think of it in any other terms, we miss the mark. And that is why it's the responsibility of pastors and leaders that no matter how big their church get, no matter how active their church get, no matter how many activities and things that they have that are going on, it is important to communicate that we are in business to save souls. Why? Because Jesus whole mission, his whole ministry was about saving souls. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the church got to stay on that. And when the church becomes just another entertainment-based ministry that is kind of based upon making people feel good and be happy, that kind of false kind of security, then we are not being true to the gospel. In fact, we are ripping people off and they don't even know it. 
We're denying them the privilege of understanding and knowing that you need a relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe that he is life. He came to give us a life much more abundantly. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life up or a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come. He came to offer and not take. He came to love, not hate. He came to die. Now, this is where the idea of servant evangelism comes into play. As the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, we read that last week, when Paul said that Jesus, uh, although he was God, thought of, not be, thought of not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant. In other words, although he was God in flesh, Jesus came down as a man that served. Now, most of us think, so the Bible talks about how Jesus served and gave his life. The pinnacle or the ultimate, um, the ultimate reality of service or the pinnacle of service in this context is death itself. But I want you to understand that Jesus lived his life dying or sacrificing or giving toward death on the cross. How many know that the Bible says that we are supposed to be a living sacrifice? Everybody say living sacrifice. Come on, everybody say living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So what that simply means is that, that we're constantly living our lives and we're constantly dying every day. We're dying uh, for the sake that, that somebody uh, uh, will come into a relationship with God. We're, we're, we're serving, we're, we're giving, we're pouring out our lives, and this is what Jesus did. So the idea of serving evangelism was demonstrated and initiated by Christ. Christ came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. For many. So look at Jesus' life. Jesus just didn't die. So, I mean, he died, obviously. That was the pinnacle of it. But think about all the things that he did up to that. How many times he served? How many, how many, how many times he blessed somebody? How many times he taught? He, I mean, his whole life was a life of service. And that, watch this, church. That's how the gospel went. That's how the gospel was preached. The gospel was preached and proclaimed, but yet it was lived through service. I want you to understand that. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4, verse 30, 43. He says this, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. All right? So watch this. For this purpose, Jesus said, I have been sent. For this purpose, I have been sent. So in other words, whatever city Jesus went into, he was preaching the gospel. Many of us, we live in a city, but we work in different cities. We travel to different cities. How many know that you don't turn your Christianity off when you go to Hallelujah on vacation? Come on, somebody. You don't turn your Christianity off when you're not here in church on Sundays. Any city that you go to, any place that you go, then we're always to be ready to give an answer for everyone that want to know of the hope that lies within us with gentleness and respect. That is what 1 Peter, I believe, chapter 3 says. So, so we understand that the gospel message was preached. And in fact, in the book of Acts, and we don't have time to go there, but in the book of Acts, you can see this pattern. Just study the book of Acts. 
you will see the disciples consistently preach as they perform acts of service, whether they were healing people, uh, whether they were uh, doing miracles, uh, giving food, whatever. It was accommodated with preaching the gospel. Service, evangelism. Evangelism, service. Service, evangelism. You see them working hand in hand. This is the way that Jesus did it. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 12, there were some folks that were upset because you understand that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we know that Jesus was serving them. He was caring for them. He was preaching to them. And so Jesus walked into a house where there was a bunch of sinners, um, people who were not Christ-like in any stretch, any form of imagination. And uh, the Bible talks about this in Matthew chapter 10 verses, I'm sorry, but Matthew chapter 9 verses 10 and 12. I'm not going to read it. But it says, when the Pharisees saw that Jesus did what he did, sat down with these ungodly people, <laughs> they was like, why, did, why does Jesus do, why did your master, why does your master go in and sit down and eat with people like that? Well, because Jesus knew that it was the people like that that he was trying to reach. Watch this, church. If we're going to reach people like that, then we got to, listen, our service must go where they are. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we start here with our service, but our service, and we're going to serve people, we got to go where the people are. But pastor, you don't understand. I'm a godly man. I'm a godly woman. And, 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 you know, and the scripture says, by the way, that come out from among them and be ye holy. How many of you have seen that verse? So we use verses like that to justify not sharing our faith or stepping out of our comfort zones. When the Bible simply meant the context of that verse is simply talking about how we live. How many know that we are to live in the light, walk in the light? Light always, if it's going to have an effect, it always got to be where the darkness is. So here's what Jesus did. On purpose, Jesus was served. He was always looking to serve people where they were. He didn't wait for them to come to him. How much, how effective do you think Jesus' ministry would have been if he would have just simply sat there and just waited for people to come to him? He didn't do that. He engaged. He laid down his life. He served. He went to where they are. And that's what, the, and that's a pattern that, that we are adopting here in our church. We're going to go to where they are. We're going to serve them where they are. Because we believe that God has called us to reach them. So we'll give you a couple examples of what Jesus did and how he did this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, then Jesus went about all cities and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among them. Watch this. So here it goes. He's healing every sickness, every disease among the people. You know, he was doing miracles. He fed the 5,000. He was doing all kinds of things. But while he was doing that, he was preaching. That's what the message is. So I want you to understand this, and this is something that you want to remember this. Service is not the end goal. Salvation is. Let me say that again. Service is not the end goal. So for those who are deeply infatuated and in love with service, service is not the end goal. Salvation is. So with that in mind, the two must work together. 
This is why we say that any service that we provide, we say, well, put on your T-shirts. Why do we put on? Well, I don't want to wear a T-shirt, Pastor. I want to wear my own clothes. Well, you're not in the spirit of what we're trying to do. We want people to know. We want there to be some kind of connection so they will know that there are some people that did this that's connected to God. We want, we want, we want to connect the dots for people. Are y'all understand what I'm saying? So anything we do, we want to connect those dots. And so whether it's communicating, whether it's things we wear, any of those ways that we can do it, that's what we want to do. So service is not the end goal. Salvation is. This is what uh, Jesus understood. Jesus came to serve, to give his life, to give his life, meaning he came to die for those who are lost and those who are not in Christ, who don't know him. They are lost. I don't care how much life they appear to have. You're lost unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only that, but you say, well, pastor, what about, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that just kind of come around and, you know, they just want what you got, but they don't want the Jesus that you serve. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that. Jesus dealt with that himself. Jesus, in fact, let me show you something. This is uh, John chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Listen to this. So while Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs or you really understand who I am but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. In other words, there were a lot of there were some people that were simply following Jesus only because they were thinking about, man, I, I want a meal. I'm just hungry. And how many know that there are a lot of people out there who think that their greatest need is what they need? And they're not attaching their, their really what they need. They need Jesus. But if you talk to them, they think their greatest need is food. They think that their, their greatest need is shelter. They think their greatest need is food and clothing. That's why Jesus says, don't be overly concerned about that, because that's not the most important thing. What should a profit a man if he gains the whole world and watch this and lose his soul? So watch. So I don't I, I, I'm just I'm, I hear this. So I don't want to say this in an insensitive way. But, you know, how sometimes they'll plaster across a TV screen and they'll show these kids who are hungry. And, and, and they're dying because of famine. I mean, it's terrible. You get it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they'll show these pictures, and you're sitting there watching. And, and there was a time when I used to, it just used to break my heart in the sense that I would just cry over that, like that was the worst thing. And, and, and then got, over time, I learned that I need to, my heart need to cry and weep, not because they are physically hungry, but because they need to know Jesus. They need an encounter with him. The greatest need for people is salvation. Not That's why we just can't stop with food and clothing. It's, it, it softens the heart. We do that. We, we, we do it in the name of Jesus. But there's a greater place. There's a greater grace. There's some place that's supposed to lead us to. And so we don't want to be, we don't want to get caught in that, that kind of a humanistic way of thinking where it's just all about we are the world. No, we are the Christians. We are the Jesus people. We are Christ, you know, and, and it's not just we are the world. God so loved the world that he died. He gave his only begotten son. The greatest need of man is salvation. That's why men are in trouble. And if we keep that in mind, it'll keep us grounded. So when we provide a service, we'll think to ourselves next time you get anything, you think, well, you know what? I need to somehow, they need to know. I got to figure out some way to communicate a message to them. Some way, some way, somehow. It's important that we understood that. It's understand that. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, he told them in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that which endures to everlasting life. But the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. That's amazing, right? Because what Jesus did here, Jesus, 
He, he understood that to them, food is the most important thing. And understand something. To a person that's struggling, that's hungry, and, uh, you know, obviously to them, I mean, that's a, that's a dire need. We need to address it. I'm not standing up here saying that the pastor, we need to, uh, I'm not saying that we need to be insensitive or we need not to care about that. I'm just telling you a profound truth. That's not the most important need of mankind. It's not the most important need of man. And so Jesus then, he had to, he had to educate them. He says, I know why a lot of y'all are following me. See, y'all think it's all about the food. Y'all heard about me feeding 5,000 people. Y'all saw all the miracles. Y'all saw all that. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus took the responsibility. He said, but now what you need to do is you need to labor for the food that don't perish. Because here's what's going to happen. Probably unless there's a change, you'll end up or you'll stay where you're at until you come into a relationship with the one who will supernaturally provide for you all that you have need of. He will give you power. He will give you purpose. He will give you hope. Every bum on the street. Everybody that I see with laying with this laying on the street with clothes, the first thing I think of is I don't think and this is just me. Don't, don't get don't 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 pick on me now. But the first thing I think of is a lack of purpose, a lack of desire, a sense of of of, of their their nothing. And so when people feel that way, you see them in that condition. It's a terrible place to be when you are lacking hope. When all you do is live every day just trying to just keep the keep your breath pumping, uh, keep, keep their heart pumping, keep the breath in your body, but you're not living with any purpose. You're not living with a sense of destiny, a sense of hope. How many know that Jesus will give you all of that? That's what Jesus did for me, and that's what he did for many of you. He gave you a sense of hope. He gave you a sense of direction. You now live your life understanding, okay, now I know why I'm on earth. I know I have a sense of purpose. I have a sense of, uh, 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 of responsibility. Uh, I have a sense of where I'm going. That was the best thing that Jesus Christ did for me when I got saved. I'm telling you, I graduated from college and still was lost. I had a degree in mass communications and didn't want to do anything with mass communications. Uh, you know, and I was still off. I remember sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? Who am I? What am I? And here I am. I'm 24, 25, years, and I'm still sitting there trying to figure it out. Man, when I got saved, the first thing, the, the, the first void that went was the most important one, and that was that void of that sense of who am I? Why am I living? You know around you right now, there's a ton of people in your spheres of influence that are sitting by trying to figure out who they are. That's why they keep going. You know, I, I heard people say, man, we just get tired of one place. We just get bored and we just go to the next thing. We just go, we just get bored. Okay, we, we lived there for a while and then we just get bored and we just move. How? Think about it. That They live their whole life buying stuff, moving from place to place because they're trying to find something that they can, and they're thinking they can find it somehow in stuff, and, and it never really does come to the place where it should. It'll give temporary satisfaction, but, it, but how, many you, how many of you would say, well, Pastor, since I came to Jesus, he really satisfied the deep longings of my soul. He, he, he reached down into me, that place where, where, where that is most important. That's what Jesus addressed for all of us. I know he addressed that for me. And so, so let's look at our, our primary verse here, and we're coming down. And uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, and this is important because Paul, I read this verse at the beginning of his sermon. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses uh, uh, 19 down to verse number 23. So, so, so watch this. So Paul now is, <laughs> I love this verse. Because Paul, the first thing Paul says in, in that first verse there, he says in verse number 19, he says, for though I'm free of all men, watch this, I have made myself a servant to all. 
Did you get that? Think about everything we've been talking about. Paul says now, watch. Some of y'all get this in a moment. He said, but though I'm free of all men, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus' name. I owe no man nothing but to love him. I'm free. I can do what I want. I can believe what I want. I can do what I want. He said, but here's what I've chosen to do. I've made myself a servant. Everybody say servant. He made himself a servant to everybody. Now, ain't it interesting to hear that Paul was equating, watch this, serving with evangelism. Are y'all getting it? You see how he does it? Like he wrote in Philippians, he wrote to the Philippians church. He said, Jesus took on the form of a what? A servant. Paul then comes and says, watch, he uses the same language. Because all of us, how many of you want to see people come to Jesus? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you want to see people get right? Well, here's Revelation right here. Paul said, watch, he says, watch this. I'm free of all men, but I made myself a servant of all. But Paul, why would you make yourself a servant to everybody? Now, I want you to understand something. Paul saw himself as a servant to everybody. In other words, here's how Paul lived. Paul figured out a way. He was thinking every, every person he met, how can I figure out a way to serve them with an emphasis on reaching them for Jesus? That's why he did it. He says, watch. Isn't that what he says in that verse? He says, I've done this. He says, I've done this that I might win the more. So I'm going to serve. So he's saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to get people saved. Here's what he's saying. I want to see, I want to get people right with God. So how, well, well Paul, how are you going to do that? I'm going to serve him. That's what he said. He said, I made myself a servant of all. He's taking the same language. Jesus, Jesus was a servant. Jesus came to serve, you know, servant, evangelism, evangelism, serving. You see how it all ties in. Paul said, he says in verse 22, he goes on and talks about in verse 22, uh, verse 20 and 22. He says, he talks about how to the Jew, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those that are under law, uh, I became as under the law, even though I wasn't under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are outside the law, I became as one outside the law, that I might win them. So here's what Paul did. Paul studied people. Paul figured out, I mean, Paul was, I mean, here's what he said. Paul says, here's what he did. See, I believe if, if the Apostle Paul was here, indulge me for a moment. So I believe if the Apostle Paul was here today, uh, the Apostle Paul would, he would have an iPhone. I believe the Apostle Paul would have a Facebook page. I believe he would do Instagram. I believe the Apostle Paul would have Twitter. I believe the Apostle Paul would even degrade himself and get an Android. I believe he would do all of that. That was a side joke because uh, I like Apple phones. So, but anyway, but I believe that the Apostle Paul wouldn't just ostracize himself and just sit on the sidelines and be like, Oh, look at these millennials. These people are just so crazy. And, you know, they're, they're not like it used to be. How do you know nothing ain't like it used to be? Whenever you hear people talk like that, all they're saying is, you, all they're saying is you're just getting older. You know, and times change. People change. And so when you hear people around my age, they start saying, man, don't you remember the good old days? Oh, brother, I'm trying to get up out of there. I mean, that was then, but they ain't going to do nothing for me today. <clears throat> the millennials, this generation, they don't want to hear about what you used to do 25, 30 years ago when you was 15. They don't care about that. That's, that's irrelevant now. So I believe the Apostle Paul was here. Paul said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. So I really believe the Apostle Paul would sit back. And he would say, okay, you know, I'm going to get me a Facebook. Hey, brother, come help me. Help me get a Facebook page. Why do you think like that? Oh, you know, why, what, so what's this problem? So why are you 
So why are you like, why do you believe in sexuality the way that you do? I believe the Apostle Paul, he studied. He studied people. He tried to figure it out. He said, I've become to, all things, all men that I might win some. Paul said, I'm going to win somebody. So he knew that the way I'm going to win them, I got to serve them. I got to get to know them. I got to study them. I got to figure them out. Instead of sitting back on the sideline and saying, this is new generation, man, is different. Figure out a way to identify with the generation. Let's figure out a way to do ministry. Let's figure out a way to do it. Well, pastor, you I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine who'd been in the church for a long time, and they're, they're around my age. Now, my age, I'm a good old young 52. So the pastor of the church has, the church is growing and advancing, but what's happening is that a, a lot of the folks who were like in their 40s, they have been there for a number, a number of years, and they're kind of shifting them out to the side in more of a mentoring position. And they're kind of bringing in the young people and they're kind of taking on those roles that they used to have. And I remember just sitting there talking and they were frustrated with that. Well, you know, because they felt like they were forgotten, you know. And, and here's the problem. They were frustrated with it because it's, it's, a us, it's us against them. They're not trying to understand that generation. And how I many know it's going to take that generation to reach that generation? Y'all get what I'm saying? Okay, so watch this. So we got to change with the times. Music change, all that stuff. I mean, I personally, I don't care for rap. But, you know, now I got rap on my playlist because I got to figure out a way because, you know, I'm going to be in an environment and I, I need to kind of understand. Now, I can only go but so far with that now, you know, so, uh, you know. Uh, but, 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 the, but the point of it is, is, is that we got to engage. We just can't sit back and say, oh, you know, they're just that. No, you need to change. I believe, how many know that David, ain't in, David's, David killed his Goliath in his generation? How many know that, that we got our own Goliath to kill right here in this generation? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Joshua ain't in this generation. David don't live in this generation. We can talk and preach about David, Joshua, Isaiah, Elijah, Abraham. They, all, they don't live in it. They, they're not going to affect this generation. But guess who is? We are. So God has put us here in this generation for this time, watch this church, to reach this people. We're called to do it. I believe the Apostle Paul was here. I think that he would shock a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians would be so mad at Apostle Paul. But we would we crucify the Apostle Paul. And I don't believe that Paul would have done anything. I don't believe even that Jesus would have did anything. I believe that, 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 that and, and Jesus, he shook up the world when he just went and sat down and ate with sinners. Made people upset. But Jesus didn't care because he knew what he was after. And so he understood that. So Paul says, look, though I am, he said, though, listen, I'm free of all men. I'm, I'm a servant of all. In other words, man, I'm going to figure out a way to involve myself in your life. I'm going to figure out a way to understand your thinking, even though your thinking is nuts to me. I don't even understand why you think that way. Uh, it's crazy to me. But you know what? My responsibility is not to sit on the sideline. I got to engage you. And for us parents, we got to stop tripping because whether we want to believe it or not, our kids live in this generation. And trust me, our kids are getting the message of this generation. And, and you know, to some extent, they're lying to us. Y'all understand what I'm saying? They ain't telling us the whole story. So get, listen, we got to get to know them. Get in the, look, go with them, get to know this generation, listen to your kids, make it comfortable so they can tell you exactly what they're thinking. You know, and I say this from experience because my kids always haven't been free to come tell me crazy stuff. They know. I had to learn, oh, I'm telling I'm trying to spare you. 
I'm trying to spare you some of the mistakes I made. Listen to your kids. Listen to the way they think. And then figure out a way, because how many know the gospel is everlasting? The message never changed. This message is eternal. It, uh, this message is for every generation. But watch this. The format in which we preach it got to change. The platform in which how we express the gospel, it has to change. We can't remain stuck. Too many of us are stuck. Paul said it this way. Oh, I got to get stop. Paul said that I did it all for the sake of the gospel. He studied the mannerism, the cultures, the likes, the dislikes. He liked them on Facebook. <laughs> he unfriends some people. Y'all don't talk about. He did, he did all that. He figured it all out, right? He Paul says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. He said, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to bless you. But here's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I want you to get right with God because I believe that that is the ultimate display of God's love. Is that he saved you from a pending hell that is coming and judgment that is coming upon the entire earth. The best thing that we can do for folks, people, is to help get them right with God. Help get our family members. Help get people right with God. Man, that's the best thing that we can do for people. It is the absolute best. So everything we do got to be to that end. Paul said, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And Paul said that I may save some. Now, here's what he understood. Paul understood that he wasn't going to save everybody. Paul understood the problem majority of people would not even uh, be open to his message. But how many know that didn't stop him from preaching it? <laughs> you know, if you preach to 100 people and only one person respond to it and receive Jesus Christ, how many know it's well worth it? If only one. See, this is why I got to get us. I know, I know we think, man, man, where, where's everybody in numbers? Numbers are important. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you something. What's more important? Every soul is important to God. Every one person is important to God. So for every one person that you affect or you impact for Jesus and their life is transformed, you might have preached You may have preached and you may have handed out those cards. You may have handed out these cards to, to, to you know, 50 people and only one person responded. You might hand out 500 cards over a period of a year or six months or whatever, and you only had a couple people respond, then if they respond, they get right with God, I say it's worth it. I say it's worth it. And I'll do it again because I believe that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And what God is building, I'm a part of it, and I'm going to help him build as long as I have breath. That's why we say we call this year the year of building. We're building upon what Jesus has already established. So Paul understood that. So Paul, he served with purpose. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 16 talks about, I'm not going to read the verse, but talks there about how that, that we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth. Think about that. And the Bible says, and, and at uh, verse number uh, 16 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Everybody say good works. Good works. They may see your good works. They may see your good works. What is good works? Service. It's good works. It's, it's serving. It's being a blessing. It's living right. It's all of that. He said, let them see it. Watch this. And glorify you. Did it say that? Glorify who? Your father. Watch this. So all the service we do got to point men back to him. If it just point men back to us, 
And then we're not giving him the whole picture. So he said, glorify your father who is in heaven. So our service that we provide, we want to, you know, and I've seen people do this. They have creative ways. And, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can communicate the gospel. Checks, you know, I've seen people like, I don't even, y'all know we're going to a cashless society. Y'all understand that, right? I mean, everything is moving toward that, uh, you know, and that's biblical because the Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation how there's going to be a cashless society and all, all this is, boy, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is on the way. He's on the way coming back. Trust me. It's, it's, it's starting to happen right before our eyes. But, but he did it with purpose. Everything he did, we got to do it with purpose. We got to make sure that, that the works that we do, that it's tied back to Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in conclusion, Jesus, right before he left to go back and be with the Father, um, in John chapter 13, you can read it. Y'all remember that story? Uh, with Jesus, the Bible says that he knew that the Father had given him everything. He knew that he was going to go back to the Father. He knew that all power is in his hand. Jesus knew all that stuff. And right before he died, the one thing he did, the Bible says that when he thought about it, he knew that what was about to happen, he was about to die, the first thing he did, he went and got a towel, girded himself, got on his knees, took a basin of water, and he began to wash the disciples' free. Now, how many know that Jesus was sending a message? The message that he wanted them to get, watch this. The message he wanted them to get was, it's about serving. He says, now, it starts with serving one another. But how many know that serving one another is the beginning? The service of one another is not to just stay within the four walls. It's to go beyond these walls. That's what that's the whole thing with Jesus was saying. Jesus wanted to give them a picture. He said, you call me your master and your Lord. And, you, and he said, but I am among you as a servant and you're not greater than me. If I'm your master and your Lord, I'm a servant. Then you ought to be a servant. That's what he says in John chapter 13. And, and, and you know, and Peter and a lot of those guys, they could not understand. Oh, Jesus, you're, you're up here. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, from everything we know about you, you're the king of kings, Lord of lords. Why are you washing my feet? And Jesus said, you don't get it. Jesus realized that in all the stuff that he was doing, that they still didn't get it. And he didn't leave them there. He said, I want to leave you with this picture. Watch what I'm doing. He said, what I'm doing, I want you to go follow my example and you do likewise. So we talk about reaching people for Jesus. The primary way that we're going to reach people for Jesus is just thinking of ourselves as a servant. Thinking of ways to serve them. Thinking of ways to bless them. We were talking the other day about different things we're going to do, like, you know, whether it's a car wash or you'll be hearing some things here in a week or so we're going to be doing. But let me, let me explain something to you. That all the stuff that we're doing, all the service that we're providing, um, that's what's going to help open the door for the possibility of somebody getting right with God. And guess what? You and I get to be a part of, get to be a part of it. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you into the arena of being a servant. Get equipped. Think like a servant. Act like a servant. Don't look at yourself above anybody else. You're not above anybody else. Only Jesus is exalted. We, you know, we, we, we have been raised from the dead in him, but, but we're servant. Look at yourself. See yourself as a servant. And your neighborhood, think of yourself when you go home today. Think of yourself as a servant. Go home and think, how can I be a blessing to these people? How can I serve them to win them to Christ. You go to your work tomorrow. Some, everyone in here got a job that you're working among people. Go to your job and think to yourself, today I'm a servant. Don't go in there thinking, if you got rank, don't go in there thinking, look, 
man, I got rank. I'm going to pull rank over you. I'm, I got status. I've been here long, and I got to make more money than you. Squash all that. Serve everybody. Paul said, I made myself a servant to everybody. If they, weigh, if they are way below you, serve them. Let me tell you something. How many know that will, that will open their eyes to something? That will soften their heart to the gospel that ultimately that all of us care to share. Amen? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. In Jesus